In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1... Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast partner in crime is the one and only Travis Rats. Travis Rats and I run the Comic Exposure Podcast. We like to talk about comic books. Uh, every other week, we read a comic book for our comic book club, uh, and the in between. The, the little gaps between those comic book clubs are our variant edition episodes, and you are listening to one right now, and on this variant edition episode... We uh, got an interview lined up for you. We're talking comic books. We're talking nerd stuff. We have a little dumb game to play at the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And and we have an announcement at the end of the podcast. But before we do that, you said something that, that kind of sparked my memory. You said yeah. falling through the gap. Do you remember those Gap commercials where that was like their slogan? Like fall, fall into, into the, gap? the gap? Fall into the gap. Yeah. Fall into the gap. Is that like, was that, was that the beat of this? Fall into the I gap. Don't, fall into the gap. It, Right. Maybe okay. I was like I was too punk rock for the Gap then. Like then after that, I, I went to the Gap. The Gap now was I'm, expensive back then. It is, yeah. And for a plain T-shirt, way too expensive for a plain T-shirt. I'm more of an Old Navy guy. If I had to choose from the trifecta, right? Like, isn't it? It's Banana Republic, the Gap, and Old Navy are all owned by the same company. That's right. It's a monopoly. I'm an old I'm an Old Navy guy myself because I don't have money for the Gap, and I definitely don't have Banana Republic money. I Cargo don't. shorts and flip flops for you, my friend. For like a dollar a piece. <laughs> I know. Like a- it's ridiculous. I remember they had the old lady. Remember they had that old bitch who was just like, hmm, and they had that old dog. If magic likes it, then you should buy these cargo shorts. She was I have this- no idea what you're talking oh, about. Oh, really? You just made up. No, entire- man. I heard. Gonna- Commercial for Old Navy. No, I'm going to tweet her photo out on our Twitter. It's this <laughs> old, old looking woman. Old, and she old was lady. like, I guess supposed to be play like the opposite of who's actually buying Old Navy. Oh, I think she only, was. I think she did sleep she with was, the entire she Old, was Navy. Old Navy. Yeah, she, she was Old Navy. She was Old Navy. <laughs> You've been listening I'd, to Old Navy podcast. <laughs> well, I have like a I have like a, a deeper than usual voice tonight. I don't know if you've noticed that, Travis. I don't know what it is. I feel like maybe I've been talking too much, but. The soothing sounds of my sweet bar- baritone voice. You got a ver- well, you got a good radio voice, my friend. Will will lead us into into the podcast. You gotta get tonight. like a Wolfman Jack. Like, all right, it's late <laughs> night hour, and we're talking comic books here on the Comic Exposure, exposure. Podcast. Comic Exposure Podcast. I know a lot of you truckers are out there burning the midnight oil. Whenever I hear someone like talk about truckers, I'm reminded of uh, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Which is like one of my favorite movies. Oh, I love that movie because he's on. The, he's like on the CB. And he's like, if you're out there, uh, old Jack, uh, Jack. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They're like, oh yeah. It's the beginning. It, it begins and yeah. ends with that same narration. Yeah, yeah. It's it's and, he, and he's just, he's just talking into it. Old Jack's your friend, and I'll be coming yeah. into town. Love that. movie. Then it gets oh, real yeah. racist with the Asian shit that goes does. on in that. It does, but I I don't. It's uh, it's so. Let's it's coming back with the rock. It's coming back with the rock. What do you feel? How do you feel about this? I'm not okay with the rock. I'm not. There. I don't like the rock in any. As a human being. No, I'm sure he's a great person. I think I would probably like to hang out with the rock because he's gigantic, and I feel like it would be cool to hang out with a giant man. Uh, but I just did a giant man dance. No one could see it, <laughs> but you, you look through like one Skype. Of those inflatable, uh, <laughs> like car lot, car lot things. Uh, but I think it would be interesting to hang out with a man that huge. Uh, but at the same time, I don't like it's it's a, a movie. It's a classic movie, and I love it for what it is. And I don't think you can do it justice to do it again. Like, did you see the new RoboCop movie? Did you see that when it I came did. out? I didn't get all the way through it. That's how much like Ex- I was like, Ex- ah, I'm over exactly. it. I, exactly. I'm over it. And plus, Big Trouble Little China is Kurt Russell. It yeah. is Kurt Russell. Like yeah. that's the reason. The only reason that movie is still watchable when you watch it later in life is because Kurt Russell is so fucking cool in that movie. You love Kurt Russell, don't you? I, I fucking remember love we, Kurt I know Russell. We had a, I know we had a conversation on a different podcast episode about <laughs> your love. You think you think Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell is better than Harrison Ford, I do believe, was the conversation. Um, 
Yes, I, I. It might have been Mel Gibson is better than Harrison. Oh, Ford. maybe it was Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson is a terrible human being, though. No, 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 no. They're all terrible. They're actors, Josh. It's just some of them hide it better. <laughs> They're than not others. human, Josh. They're <laughs> actors. Um. So on the. So let's get to. No, 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 no. Let's keep talking. Big Trouble in Little China. What's your favorite scene? You know that there is a Big Trouble in Little China comic book. I've. I think I've Googled Big Trouble Little China many a times and had seen comic book art and did not realize it was attached to that comic book. Yeah, there's an actual comic book about Big Trouble Little China. I've never read it. And um, I feel like I. Want, I smell a podcast. I want my Big Trouble in Little China. Like I want it in just what it is. I just want it what it is. My favorite part as a kid is when they're in the alley and there's a big gang war. And then all of a sudden, the three magical dudes with the with the hats come down, and they're all like, Raiden, and they do all these weird hand motions. That's one of my favorite parts. And then the one dude who swells up really swells gigantic. Up like a balloon. And, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, those are probably my two favorite scenes from uh, <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China. I like, when, is, I like when Jack goes to the whorehouse. Of course you do. He's like, I need, you, you know what I've got a hankering for? A late, an Asian with green eyes. I don't know why. <laughs> He's just like go. It's so on the nose for what yeah. they're going in for. Like, listen, there's like one Asian in the world with green eyes. Uh, she's at this brothel. We need you to go in there. Be subtle. Yeah, you need to find you this know girl. What I need. <laughs> uh, and he like plays a nerdy, like a smarmy nerdy guy with uh, glasses. All right, yeah. that's been big trouble, little China. After the uh, old Navy podcast. This happens on every on every variant issue. We addition we spend way too many minutes talking about stuff we don't need to talk about. Uh, so on the podcast today, we've got an interview later on with uh, uh, the creative team behind what's the book? Ikitomi. Ikitomi. So, so don't call it macaroni. It's a big piece of Italian bologna. Is what I what I call this book. By bologna, I mean good. <laughs> B O L. It rhymes with macaroni. It does. So we are uh, we we uh, Travis interviewed the creative team be- behind uh, the book Ikatomi. Ikatomi. Uh, and so that book takes place historically as a western, right? Yeah, Ikatomi is a uh, it's actually a blend of genres. One of the things we talk about in this interview, uh, we'll talk about more about it. But Ikatomi uh, is uh, Native American uh, origin myth. So Ikatomi is actually a figure in Native American lore, uh, okay. and they and they use that as a character in the book. All right, so it historical in nature uh, plays on it, but just like there's been this swath of like let's take a historical event and do something weird with it that happens, right? Or add some some like magic to it or something like that. Uh, so I want to I start the podcast. Let's start the discussion. Before we get into the interview, here's what I want to know, Travis. Which historical event would you like to have? Uh, you, it, so you are, you're an English, you're, you were an English teacher. I, you read, you read books. If you could have a story, write a story or, or read a story, which historical area era would you want it to take place in which event and which in which mystical or magical thing would you like to have happen in that time period oh man and don't say zombies you put a a interesting twist on at the end so here's my approach to it um okay do you I, i was thinking about eras you know i mean i mean yeah. you can take it anywhere because you don't have to stick with western culture you can go to eastern culture you can go yeah. it's like the boxer rebellion if you wanted to right Ooh, that, um, that's not bad uh but i guess and i feel that my choice is less like ooh, wham bam because it doesn't take that place that far from now um yeah. at you said as an english major as a former english teacher i i love beatnik america i love the beatniks i love okay. i love the whole story behind the friendship between between kerouac and ginsburg uh and the uh merry pranksters uh so i love that era in history and i think um you know approaching that if you get a great writer to write it the whole comic is kind of like a long beat poem right you can get, yeah. really get self indulgent with the language <laughs> you can get really introspective and it can have a rhythm to it right uh so i really like that but now you're right josh you made a good point you know um it's very rare you see straight up straight up now tell me do you really want to love me forever Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not get sidetracked. I'm gonna focus. <laughs> uh, it's very rarely do you see a uh, a straight up historical uh, take on a story. Uh, not it's now. Been done. I mean, 
There's a lot of them, but right now it just seems to be like, let's pick a spot in history and do something weird. So what's yeah, your weird yeah. thing? And not in a bad way. There's some really Beat cool Nick things. vampires. Right? They had, they, no? they had, ooh, no, too pretentious. Like, I don't want, okay. that's going to make them less cool. I feel like, um, help me out here. Like, all right, we got, you, you, you're, you know, the, the era. What would be good with, like, the beatniks? Um, not aliens. You can't do aliens. I don't um, like aliens. Uh, they do a seance to bring back a dead, some dead artist that Byron, they Lord Byron. Yeah. They, they do a seance be- to bring back dead Lord Byron. And so it's beatniks hanging out with the ghost of Lord Byron. Right. And he's te- Byron's teaching him how to party like beatniks. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Okay. It's a little, it's a little bizarre. I like it. Uh, <laughs> what about so, you? What do you got? If, what have I got? So I have, uh, like, there's a couple of things that I think would be cool. I, my era is pretty close to yours. I want something to happen at Woodstock. I want something weird to happen at Woodstock. I don't know what I want it to be exactly. Uh, maybe an interdimensional portal that opens up to something i don't know i want uh i want something to happen in that and that era at woodstock i want my story to take place at woodstock and i want something weird to happen my idea was a seance to bring back somebody at this goes horribly wrong but uh i do like i think it works for yours so i pitched it to you uh maybe maybe uh Satan is at uh, Woodstock. What, or maybe, what if, like, like, what if, like, aliens come down and that, like, um, uh, and somehow you tie that into the weird behavior, like the poison, like don't don't take the brown ass, brown like acid. the brown ass is bad. Uh, like it's like some like comical mistake by aliens. Like you can make that the fantastic side comical. Like it's a higher being that like yeah. drops something in this place that it shouldn't have, and so like everyone at Woodstock gets a glimpse into some other universe and that's why they're tripping out so hard and the music is just is because i mean the whole idea of woodstock is like everyone's so freaking high that they're just skyrocketing into another world but like what if it was really they literally seeing visions of another world or like being skyrocketed to another world i kind of like that and not like aliens like big eyeball aliens but like very highbrow interdimensional beings and so like they this is their way of communicating was through brown acid. Right, yeah. Like they're trying to get – and there is that whole idea. Um, people believe that uh, mushrooms are yeah. – um, that mushrooms actually got to uh, Earth. This is one theory on a, a, a comet or an asteroid that hit Earth, and it had this fungus on it, and that grew. That's why when you trip and you see all those dimensional uh, shapes yeah. and, and colors – you're actually – it's all the funguses from a Dude, different we're, planet, man. we're running with Dude, it. That's a, that is a – we're right in it. It's happening right Dude, now. and when they make it into a movie, you know who we should get to play like the fucking lead alien? Ooh. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. He would be a fantastic lead alien. Fantastic lead alien. <laughs> we, brought it, we brought it full circle, Travis. <laughs> full circle. circle. You, know, I, you know, we put this out on Twitter and we had a, a response from – Couple of responses, but one I thought was one of the one I thought was really interesting was uh, from at uh, authentic Angus, and at authentic Angus uh, went with the end of the uh, uh, Cold War. That's a good time. I like yeah. that. Yeah. What? So, but he doesn't have a weird take. He just says that's what he wants it in. What can we, what add, would you, what can we add to that? What would you do? So, if it weren't weird, what would your story about the end of the Cold War be? Well, you know, we said stay away from zombies, but since there's a wall coming down, I feel like if you take that wall down for like, you know, a political purposes and like that's a good thing, but it ends up being a bad thing because it lets a virus in or it lets like hordes of invaders of some kind in being like unnatural undead. I like that. I like that. I also like maybe the idea it could be like not not strange, not phenomenal, not anything like that. But we follow. So the Cold War is over and you have a Russian spy living in suburbia. And how does he go from being like the Russians won't take him back because his connections at the KGB are gone. And so now you have to see him transition from being like a hardened spy living in the United States to like just being like Jim Schmidt. Yeah, no, no. And we put a roommate in there who's like a lot younger because he has to, he can't afford, you know, like on his thing, he has to like live with the roommate. And his roommate is really into like MTV because it's like the start of MTV generation. So he's like, I like, he's like, I love MTV. It's super great. Like he, he can't, he doesn't pick the right, uh, like he's trying to assimilate, but he picks like teenage culture to assimilate to. He's like, "Are we going to party tonight, guys, or what?" Right? <laughs> <laughs> that might be good. That might be good. I like that. I like that. That's a, that's a cool one to play with. I read recently. I read uh, 
a, a dark horse book called the the new deal and it takes place in sort of that that sort of era uh this sort of um before the stock market crash right so it is it doesn't take place during the new deal but it takes place in like the height of like uh new york hotels and it's about like uh, uh um a burglary in this hotel and it i it was kind of a really cool story because it's a period piece but it's not like historical in nature like i learned so much about this not that i don't mind that yeah, there's some right. cool stuff uh there's some cool stuff that i think you can find in fact staring above me uh is onward towards our noble deaths uh by uh shishiro mizuki which is a book about japanese soldiers in world war ii and it's a manga that's been translated to english and but a serious kind of like this dude was in uh just like wrote about what it was like to be in world war ii yeah, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a cool <laughs> a cool little tale like of of life in World War Two. What's it called again? From the uh, onwards towards uh, onwards towards our noble death. Onwards towards our noble death. It sounds right? like an SS song. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, so we've got we've got a little bit of history, a little bit of a little bit of what we'd want to do, what we'd want to see. Uh, so Travis. What do you got for me, buddy? What's yeah, been, what's been we, I, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna uh, lead into this interview here because it was a really interesting interview I had with the creative t- team be- behind uh, Iktomi, uh, and I have uh, on the podcast today we have Leonardo, Leonardo Massetti. He is the writer and creator, uh, very Italian, as you'll hear. Uh, Ryan Gutierrez, he's the artist. Uh, he's worked in the medium before, so he's coming back and he's he's working with his creative team, uh, and we have. Pierre Piccoli, who's also Italian, he's co-creator and producer of this book. And, you know, we talk about a little bit about the book. Um, you know, Ik, uh, Iktomi is like a dark fantasy Western graphic novel. Um, they, it's uh, Native American mythology in the post-Civil War America. There's dark magic. Everything kind of blends together. Um, and there's these uh, occult nature to this book. So I don't want to spoil anything in this book. But aside from talking a little bit about the book, we also talked about like genres and mixing genres yeah. a lot. And just like we were talking about earlier and how, you know, they always say that, you know, every story that can be told has already been told, right? You know, the, yeah. any story that yeah. can be told has been told. So what I think we're finding uh, today, you know, 2016, or actually for the last 30 years, one of the ways that people are coming up with new story ideas is like, as you said, let's blend genres and see what comes yeah. out of it. Like all the ingredients are there. So let's just start mixing the ingredients, you know? Uh, and I think that's what the creators are, are of Iktomi are doing here um, in this book. But uh, they also said something about fantasy that I think you you would like. Um, they they And I won't spoil the interview, but they talk about... Uh, you shouldn't write fantasy for the sake of fantasy, right? There, you know, fantasy should uncover something. It should reveal something. You know, uh, if it's just fantasy for the sake of fantasy, which is an interesting topic. So I'm interested to hear what people think about that. So uh, if you uh, uh, are listening to this um, uh, podcast and you want to weigh in on that, uh, should we have fantasy for the sake of fantasy? Hashtag uh, fantasy for the f- sake of fantasy at um, Comic Exposure. So, you you know, if it's okay with you, Josh, I'm going to kick it over to this interview. Let's kick it over to the interview, sir. Kicked. Hold on to your butts. It's a comic exposure interview. Okay, on this comic exposure interview, uh, you will finally hear the punchline to that old joke, two Italians, a Spaniard, and an American start a comic, uh, because we have joining us today, we have the creative t- team behind Ikitomi, a comic series published through SourcePoint Press. Uh, we have creator-writer Leonardo Massetti, we have artist Ryan Gutierrez, and we have co-creator and producer Pierre Piccoli. Uh, uh, welcome, gentlemen. Uh, so we're going to jump right into this. Uh, Ikitomi, uh, we, we kind of preface this before jumping into the interview, but uh, you were kind enough to let me uh, uh, preview some uh, pages in Ikitomi, yes. and I got to read it. And the first thing that strikes me about this um, 
comic series is just the mix of genres you have going on here. It's Western, mixed with fantasy, mixed with elements of horror. I mean, you have a really lot going on here. So I guess the first question is for uh, Pierre and Leonardo, the creators here. Uh, when it comes to your stew of genres that you have, what are some of the, the genre tropes that you really wanted to honor and pay homage to? And what are some of the twists and turns that you wanted to bring new into the genres you're using? I'm going to have to start first. Well, <laughs> <laughs> definitely the, uh, my favorite genre is Western, and uh, uh, we like to... Since we were born in Italy, both in love with this genre, like most of the people who grew up in Europe. But we also like the fantasy, uh, the dark fantasy element to it, which has never been explored before uh, in comic books, I guess, and also in uh, movies or TV series, which is the Native American mythologies and, uh, and the dark magic, like the occult. Uh, all mixed together, blended together. I think it was. Uh, uh, a great idea to bring all three, uh, these three genres mm-hmm. together. And uh, what was the other question? The second question? You know, so what What new did you want to bring into it? When we're talking about genres, one of the fun things I think as any creator is, is really honing in and um, sharing what you love about a genre, but at the same time, you want to put your own stamp on that. So what, was, what, what did you try to bring new to those, those genres that you're working with? Uh, well, I think, I think in the beginning, I showed me started as a traditional Western. This was when we, Leonardo and I first met and we started talking about this. I mean, this was conceived as a, as a TV uh, episodic yeah. uh, series. Yeah. And uh, it was really a traditional Western with uh, very strong Native American themes. Um, it told me clearly was the uh, center of this. And, but really was, Leonardo is a big fan of history, he's a big buff of, uh, history buff, and uh, he, he, he loves to be precise in his, uh, in his themes, in his uh, uh, storytelling, he, he researches like crazy, he comes, every time I see him he has like two or three books, and yeah. <laughs> I don't know when he has time to read all these books. <laughs> My idea was, the world I think needs to see the good side of Native Americans was so far has been shown so little. Only in certain movies, like Dance with Worlds or Little Bean Man or uh, other movies. So I think that this side of Native Americans, mythology, attached to it, I think is something that really can catch the attention of people. That's our main goal, because... Yeah, and then again, like everything else evolves. So from from a traditional Western with a very strong Native American element, I mean, we wanted, I mean, we are both fans of Western. Clearly, we grew up in Italy when the Italian Western, I mean, I don't like the spaghetti Western, <laughs> but it's, it's the Italian Western sort of developed. And I was absolutely fascinated by it. I mean, that was, that was my... But actually, it's interesting that you brought up this thing about the horror because I was also a big fan of a famous Italian uh, horror director, his name Dario Gento, who actually wrote the screenplay of uh, Sergio Leone's best and most known film, Once Upon a Time in the West, yeah. with him and Bernardo Bertolucci wrote the screenplay. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, the horror part came, um, came afterwards. We... From the Western, we thought, you know, is traditional traditional Western still uh, a viable way of of storytelling? And I thought that the, uh, I thought, we thought that the the idea of creating two dimensions and creating this sense of uh, mystery and fantasy and, and, and how those two worlds collide I think, think this really made the, the, the sense of more of a modern way of telling this traditional story. Yeah, kind yeah. of the metrics, you know, where we see this dimension, which is the real one, and the fake dimension, which is the world we live in, kind of the same thing. 
Right, and it's also, it works so well with uh, Native American mysticism, too, because it's not a far elite to bring in that fantastical element when you're dealing with Native American culture, uh, when you're dealing with more of uh, naturalism and shamanism and and all these things that Native American, we have a small window into as an audience when we think of Native Americans, but that element hasn't been explored past in a lot of traditional Westerns as how, white man, what bring you here, you know, that type of thing. I was watching watching recently Hondo with John Wayne and and it was so funny to see how Indians, I mean funny, sad in a way, (laughs) how Indians were were portrayed. I mean, you could tell they were not Indians. I mean, uh, there were actors that were white actors in in, in costume. I mean, it was really... And, uh, well, anyway, going back to... Your, your question. Iktomi was really the central um, figure of, of, uh, of this storytelling. And Iktomi really represents the, the key between the two worlds. Because Iktomi... It's a link uh, between these two dimensions. Not only that, in, in, in traditional Native American history, I mean, he's, he's the trickster, right? The trickster, yes. He can be good, he can be bad, he can be... It's Usually it takes uh, human in doing something uh, horrible very bad, you know, just for his own uh, wretched purpose, you know, <laughs> if you want to put it that way, yeah, you know, you, you, yeah. you, you know, so that's what the kind of message you're going to try to put here, you know, that, uh, you know, you got to be aware of this system. Right, and and you do you do talk about it. You know, when you talk about um, uh, Native American origin myths, uh, Ikitomi, um, you have a part. This is I don't want to spoil anything in the the, the uh, uh, first part of the series, but you do. There is this beautiful narration. Uh, that gives you uh, the background of Ikitomi, and it's almost told, like the way the narration is, it's almost told uh, very oral tradition style uh, of, of giving you... It's, it's the legend of the Dreamcatcher, right? The one you're referring to? Exactly, exactly. And I, I used to teach uh, high school for many years in uh, a literature, American literature in high school, and... We used to get only a slither of uh, American Indian uh, origin myths, and you get the same ones every time. You got the world on a turtle's back. You got one about like a like a fox, and it would be in every publication the same three myths. And when you go out and try to find, I'd go out and try to find other Native American origin myths, and because their tradition is so oral, and a lot of these myths are just now starting to be written down and delved into, Leonardo, what what did you what was your research process like in delving into the origin myths? Well, usually you don't have the chef, you don't have the chef for the ingredients of his soup. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you won't tell it to you, you know, but indeed, I will make an exception in this case, you know. <laughs> no, uh, what I did is just, there are a few books actually, it's not a secret, uh, about uh, Native American legends. Not only, any, any, any Native American tribes from the south uh, to the Alaska into Alaska. So, I don't remember the title exact, exactly, but you can make a search. We can go to Banners and Nobles or uh, Strandbook stores and you'll find them. That's, uh, He's I giving have, me a lot of these books too, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I Ryan, you read this. Don't mess this up. This is important. <laughs> <laughs> I found at least three very interesting books with uh, like hundreds of legends. And one is, one is better than the other. It's, it's all connected to nature. And what we miss in nowadays world is skyscrapers and airplanes and uh, iPhones. I think we're missing uh, the connection between human beings and Mother Nature, which is a Native American is just the key point, you know. And once we separate each other from Mother Nature, that's when we start doing bad things. That's what we think. That's what I, that's what I believe. Actually, that's why I like so much Native American mythology more than I like Christian mythology. <laughs> yeah, and, you, and you, you, talk about, you talk about that path, that that path of good, that making the good choice and making the bad choices in your Dreamweaver, uh, your Dreamcatcher um, origin. What yes. I want to ask Ryan, I know Ryan, you're you've worked in the fantasy realm. I mean, you have a fantasy novel out there, West Deacon, right? Yeah, yeah, that's something I wrote a few years ago. Right, so and that's actually that's actually still on Barnes and Noble. I think I haven't checked the publication, but it's still out there. Ryan, we're not plugging your own shit right now. We're talking about Ikitomi, 
too late. I said it. You have to do that. We're going to cut that out. We're going to cut that. <laughs> so I, I, I take it that you're comfortable working in the fantasy genre. But when it comes to uh, telling a Western uh, in that visual storytelling that you're doing here, how much of that was learned on the job? Uh, how, how comfortable were you with that, that visual genre of the Western going into this project? Um, it's a really good question, actually. This is the first Western I had ever um, gotten to draw. I had worked in film before on period pieces, doing storyboard and like costume design for uh, for different period pieces. So I, 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 it's very easy to get into the rhythm of historical research before you start drawing, which is actually like something that I love doing. Like I absolutely love spending the first few days just looking at you know old images and, and paintings and old photographs of you know. Uh, Anything like pre nineteen twenty is just like it's like crack. You can just spend all day looking at like the textures of history. And something that Leo and Pierre Paulo had talked to me a lot about when I first uh, started working with them was how they didn't want they didn't want another approximation of what like Westerners think that Native Americans or cowboys, you know, how they acted or how they looked. Um, and like a, like a huge thing was it's actually really funny. It's particularly in Westerns something Pierre Paulo always stressed was a huge thing was hats. Like, people have this, like, preconceived notion of what, a, like, a cowboy hat is, quote-unquote, and how, you know, he was like, yeah, but everyone had different, like, hats were obviously, like, really important to your life. They had a lot of utility, but everyone wore different hats, and what the hat you wore said something about you, how used up the hat is said something about the character, um, you know, and uh, and then that became, like, a huge focal point in the, in the character design was, like, people's headwear, because it was something that very few people would be caught out in, the, you know, the deserts of, you know, of the... Of, of, of the West without the appropriate headwear and how that was something I hadn't even considered because it's something that you just see in every movie that you just, it kind of goes through you and then you stop and you look at it and then it just like redirects the course of the design. Um, the, the thing that was the most challenging, I think was actually designing Iktomi in a way because something that, I mean, that they were both stressing was how Iktomi represents, you know, the trickster and the trickster is like nature, you know, it's good and it's evil and it's everything. So Iktomi can't just be this purely demonic presence. He has to represent chaos. So he has to have this kind of design that sometimes seems, uh, you know, sometimes seems like oh, totally evil and chaotic and sinister. Other times, you're kind of you're kind of intrigued that he's there. You're not necessarily glad that he's there because he he kind of represents a, a chaotic force. But 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 it was it was very hard to not go fully in one direction and make him into like this big vampiric creature instead he's kind of something that's scary but that you're also really intrigued by and that you want you don't you don't want to turn away from him you want to look at him right. uh, which is yeah you do have this great reveal of Ikatomi in what you um, had sent me, where you get that full body reveal, and it is yes. something that you could spend a minute on, just because there's so many different parts to uh, Ikatomi, the way you're, you're doing them, particularly in this particular panel I'm talking about, uh, yeah. and when the readers pick it up, they will see it. Uh, and I was just like, wow, there's a lot going on here. It's not just, um, you know, mon- pull a monster from the file, put it on the page. No, yeah. you're making decisions. You're making decisions in how you build this, this creature. Was there any kind of source pictures or materials you're working from, or was that the fun of it, like being able to kind of like cobble it from what uh, yeah. Leonardo and Pierre had brought to you? Yeah, I mean, uh, Pierre and Leonardo had, like, they had these images of... Because of, Iktomi has been depicted so many different ways, you know. Leonardo kept saying, you know, sometimes he appears as a spider, sometimes he's a wolf. Well, you were talking about coyotes before. Yeah. And I, yeah. Native Americans from the southwest, like New Mexico, Arizona, Iktomi is like a coyote, or it can be a, a spider. But uh, the yeah. idea was to, to be, like, uh, since he interacts with human to show him as something between a, a human figure, Native American figure, of course, and a, a demoniac figure, yeah. like, like a demon, or something from the underworld, some, yeah. somebody from the underworld, something yeah. like that. Which is interesting because the demonic element people tend to associate with death, mm-hmm. but Atomi in his own way represents life. So he, he has to seem kind of like, you know, demonic in a way, but then also has to kind of make you think about growing things so he's like he, there's a coating of fur on him and, and you know there's moments where he like opens his, I don't know if you there's a page of, like right after the one that you're talking about where he opens his mouth to talk and spiders and worms crawl out and it, you know and it's like this really creepy shit but it also like you know it's like the minute you lift up a rock anywhere in nature that's what you'll find so it's like really is that inherently evil or is that just something that scares us because we're small people you know something in between confusion and folly yeah, yeah. Like that. Right. and well this so, is so, yeah. 
that's life as it is. And that's really important because, <clears throat> like in life, you have the two, the duality of life, right? You have the good and the bad. Each one of us has that duality. Part. Yeah. And it totally, it totally represents what we are fearful and what we love in nature. And, 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 and really, I mean, I don't know if, if you, if you fully get, and I hope that continuing this series, we can explore that part more and more. But the whole idea, the whole, um, underlying story with Ectomy is all about duality of life. I mean, yeah. how the, 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 the evil can coexist with the good. And, yeah. and, and that's, that's our yeah. point, point of origin. I mean, the, the opening issue has like love and tragedy just kind of yes. all happening in one scene, really. So it's right. yeah. another one I reveal too much of the following uh, story, but uh, uh, from, spoiler alert! Yes, but the uh, <laughs> <laughs> it told me it's such something a spirit that can take any form. So you will see in the next books what kind of forms it can take. Any any human beings, any animals. So you will see it in different shapes and with different uh, goals. You know, so it's. I don't want to reveal too much because it's not good, but uh, yeah. I like surprises, so I guess yeah, yeah. the readers will like surprises as well. So I'm right. Say too much. Well, I think that's, I think what you have naturally created here, just with your mix of genres and the cultures, is. You have this set in a, that Western culture, right? That very I mean, by, by Western, I mean like European uh, American culture, which which sometimes looks at evil, good and evil, as black and white. Good guys wear uh, white, bad guys wear black. But when you bring in that more Eastern philosophy of that uh, Native American or that Eastern thinking, you get that duality of man that you guys have been talking about. And so when these two cultures kind of meet in your comic, it's a really you have a very fertile playground to explore uh, that idea, you know, that idea of duality of man. I really I really think that's one of the standouts of this story that you're telling here. I think the Wild West is the perfect setup for the story because yeah. being untamed and some parts still unknown at that time, you know, gives an idea. You feel like solitude, and uh, it's, it's a fertile ground for uh, exploring this type of uh, duality. I think you know. Yeah, and it's a good setup. One, one of the things that I that really struck me to kind of change gears here is is I'm I'm reading this book and. I'm sitting there and I'm like, I, I know we have uh, 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 Italian writers and Italian creators, but I'm reading the the dialogue. And one of the things that that stood out to me was the the idioms that you're using in this in this dialogue, the Western idioms that are very central on the time. I was like. These are legit. Like he's not phoning this in. Like I, I, I expected the Italian to be like, "Well, hold up there, partner," and like reach for the sky. <laughs> but the stuff you're using, it's very, you know, it, it's something you would hear like in Fistful of Dollars. It captures that kind of that kind of badass. What we're kind of used to, like those those tropes with like that Sergio Leone type of dialogue in there. Yeah. I think the dialogue is it's like the drawing. It's a combination, it has to be, like, in, like in films. Uh, the dialogue, the thing that I love, I can recite in my sleep, yeah. because it's great, as well as the images and everything. Leonardo is a stickler for words. Yeah. Yeah. This, is, this is something that really goes a long way when you tell a story. And uh, he's a, he's a, uh, when I met Leonardo, at, he wrote, what, how many screenplays he wrote? Uh, Four or five? Two. Two? All right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he was really, really stickler for words. And uh, again, with his books and his research, I mean, he was like looking, he was telling the story, oh, you, you know, this word existed in 1850. Yeah. I did so much research on language. He's kind of a Nazi about it, actually. No, <laughs> no, but there was definitely a point where I remember drawing a character with a particular design, and Leo, before it went to its full ink, Leo was like, this this fashion did not exist yet. Like, and, and literally by like the decade, I was off. And, and I remember like trying to be like, well, maybe not. He was like, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't because it didn't start here. And then I was like, I had to kind of backtrack and do it. And, and like, Leo just is so well researched and he's so committed to the story that it's like, um, it's kind of great because it means I have to do a lot less thinking. 
Yeah, and I think that he, the, didn't, the, the he didn't have to rip it up in front of you and throw it in your face. I think that was just Especially after I put, it, I put it on the fridge and then you took it down. It's on your mind. You're not going to watch Deadwood, I don't know many times, because Deadwood has as much of the language of the, of the times and was very well researched. Deadwood Mills, I think, is the guy who created it, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm correct. Uh, it is so much research on language of the 19th century that uh, when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is how they speak, they speak English back then? I'm like, that's amazing. I wish people would speak that way today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's one of the, I think it's, idioms are one of the last things to translate from a different language, from a different culture. Uh, for example, if I was going to try to write an Italian character, it'd be like, hello there, like, uh, let me give you a pizza. <laughs> like, that would be my go-to. Like, I would have, like... like this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, spaghetti Western. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I, I think. Oh my God, Travis, you're Italian. I, I, I am. I am. I am. <laughs> but I, I think it's not just about uh, Leonardo. You must have had to do more than study it. Like you, you have to internalize it because it's not just coming out like, oh, let me. I always like the English language since I was uh, in high school back in Italy. You know, I was the, the, the best in my class in English. Sorry, yeah. I say, uh, it's very funny that Leonardo and I met because we are both um, uh, right. I personally write in English better than I write in Italian. So, I mean, I've been writing in English for and many I, years. And, and, and I, was, I write much better than I talk. So, please. <laughs> <laughs> we all lose. <laughs> so, it's, 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 it's kind of interesting that, that here we are two Italians, born in Italy, raised in Italy and come to this country, meet by accident, and we both have exactly the same passion, passion about, about English. And uh, it's, it's, it's quite... Uh, quite a, there was a commercial in Italy when I was a kid, and the tagline was, English takes you everywhere. And wow, so long. There you go. And I took it for granted. Uh, I just learned from that. Uh, I, I, I always like the, the, the English language and the idioms, like you said. And uh, today we lost it, I think, is a uh, colorful part of uh, the English language. And I wanted to bring it back a little bit. And maybe people will like and they don't find it too boring. I hope not. Uh, I, I love it, but I hope uh, the readers will love it too. You know, this uh, bringing back of uh, colorful and uh, uh, unique uh, dialogues, you know, catch dialogues. No, I think you, I think you I think you nailed it. I think I think people will definitely <laughs> gravitate uh, to that. So, switching gears here, I want to talk about the the future of uh, Ikitomi its place in the marketplace here. You know, there's there's you know the comic. With the internet and everything, everyone's kind of able to self-publish, or we have these independent publishers like SourcePoint Press. So there's a lot out there. So what do you feel stands out for Ikitomi? What, what do you think is, is going to give it that edge as far as getting readers to jump on? Uh, uh, I believe in the concept, like we talked about before, you know, the mixing of genre, which is uh, unique and original. Uh, we all think the same way about this. Uh, also, I feel very strong about uh, uh, Ryan's art, which is, I found it perfect for this story. And I'm not, I'm not saying just because he's here, I'm just... Uh, <laughs> I yeah. truly believe... It. It's not just you because know? I'm holding a gun right now. <laughs> <laughs> Took my head. <laughs> I truly believe that uh, his cinematographic expression for the character, the close-up and uh, the drawings all fashion way, it's just something that uh, uh, it's a perfect match for this story, like we talked about before. And uh, we all also, like we just said, uh, the, the dialogues, the, uh, which is also original and, uh, and unique, in a, in a way we will catch people's attention and will uh, help us to gain some, uh, some fans. Well, ultimately the marketplace will tell us if we are right or wrong. I mean, we hope that uh, the authenticity of, of what we do is going to come through, and we hope that the readers will notice and uh, will give us a chance to continue working on, on what we what we believe. I mean, it, it's, it's the marketplace. It's not us. I mean, it's we'll see. So hopefully, hopefully, we'll have many readers, and we'll continue doing this volume after volume, and uh, maybe we'll do even bigger and better things. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. I, I personally, this is just personal, it's not something that, I personally hope also that people will uh, uh, 
I understand the message clearly, you know, about yes, the Native Americans, and we were not just using Native Americans, we just believe that, you know, their message has to be thrown out there for people to, 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 to get it, understand it, and love it. That's what, uh, that's, that's what we're doing here, you know, that's what we're trying to do. And I hope that really, people really will uh, understand this message, you know, that uh, going back to Mother Nature, loving one another, being generous, and uh, uh, I really hope that we we'll catch the attention of people. And I actually think this is a really good time for stories with Western elements to be coming out. I mean, the, I feel like the, we're, we're moving toward a second uh, or a fifth wind for Westerns. I mean, The, the Magnificent Seven's coming out soon. Oh, really? The remake, yeah. Oh, with, uh, Denzel, Denzel Washington is in oh, the movie. Right? right? Oh. Yeah, Trey, uh, Denzel Washington, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is in it. Wow. It's a really interesting wow. cast. Yeah, but uh, but I, I think it's I, I think the fact that this has Western elements and fantasy elements, I think it's going to be. I think comics is like one of the only places you can kind of test out your market with something that that's that. Uh, that unique, uh, and I think comics are kind of the people. Comic book readers, I think, are pretty predisposed to seek out things that are this this unique. Uh, I think that they're they, they can kind of sniff out original material, you know. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think comics create the next genres because uh, you can't you can't afford to take those leaps of faith. You you you've, uh, you all work with film. Uh, I know uh, you've written screenplays. Uh, you storyboarded Ryan. Uh, you yeah. know that. When when the money's on the table, the the your ability to take chances really <laughs> there's not as many chances. You don't really get that opportunity, and we want to stick with what's tried and true with comics, and especially independent comics. I mean, you can really shoot for the moon as far as what you want to appear on the page and what stories you want to tell. And I think you know what I like. Uh, what I, I really like that Native American aspect of your book. Uh, other than this, I, I, the only thing I can point to is when people talked about Native Americans in comics, I would go maybe Jason Aaron's scalped, but that has a very specific modern take on the state of Native Americans today, you know, in society. Um, yeah. You're looking at their place in history and uh, their cultural relevance and and their origin myths and their their complement to Western culture and and how the meeting of these two cultures really leads to where we are today. So I think you know Leonardo talked about he really hopes people understand the message of the book. I'm really interested in seeing where this message goes. I really want to see wh- where your, your vision takes you and and the the uh, the adventure that you pack within that. Thank you. I don't want to spoil the surprise, so I won't say too much, but it's, uh, uh, I think it's the, um, what you might call that, the, the mythology element, the Native Americans that uh, will really bring down the message, the, the real message that we want to give to the world, like uh, Native America helps people to understand how the world should be, or instead of the, the greed and the uh, the, uh, the sadness we see today, you know, Native American brings some joy and simplicity to life, you know, but the way they were, you know. One of the things that we are going to be true in, uh, in future episodes, and this is something that I personally believe in, is that fantasy for the sake of fantasy, uh, it's, it's shallow. It's never going to take us anywhere. Fantasy with an underlying truth about life and death and, and, and storytelling, where, where the characters are real, where the, uh, maybe not the circumstances, because clearly with fantasy it's difficult, but they can be uh, considered real in, 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 in dreams, whatever. I mean, we want to be, we want to keep the, the, the underlying story as real as possible. With the fantasy element, but not just fantasy for the sake of fantasy. I don't believe in that. Really well. That's really well said. You know, I, I think that's important. We get, we have to have a lesson where you fantasy is a vehicle to sh- shed some light on things that are really happening in life, right? Otherwise, it's just you know unicorns, cupcakes, and rainbows, and we just it's self masturbation, right? Which is oh, this feels good. Get it out, you know. Um, so yeah, now I, we're gonna put all this in the show notes where you can find this book. But where if people want to. After listening to this interview, they want to pick it up right now. Where can they go to get this? Uh, uh, what's out there in the market? What can they pick up? Where can they pick it up? 
Uh, you can pre pre-order Iktomi right now simply by going to uh, the uh, publisher website, which is uh, sourcepointpress.com. Yeah, sourcepointpress.com, and uh, the pre-orders are all up there. Yes. Perfect, and we'll link to that in the show notes, so if you're listening to this uh, and you're having a hard time finding that, you can go right into the show notes there. Or you can go to our website, which is iktomi.us, and you, could, you can click on the link and you can pre-order from there. Oh, so we should spell it, Tommy. Itomi, I-K-T-O-M-I, dot U-S. Or you can visit also our uh, Facebook and Twitter uh, accounts. Excellent, excellent. Now, what? let's get those Twitter accounts out there because, you know, uh, I'm sure people are going to give you some feedback on on, the, on these books or tell you how excited they are, uh, especially when they go to your website and see some of the art up there. That really makes this conversation real. I urge you to go on the website before you pre-order the book and look at that art. And what we've been talking about for the last half hour here is going to, is going to really kind of contextualize. Ryan said something that I'm going to use. Uh, he said something in this interview called he had to look back at the textures of history and I wrote that down because I'm stealing that Ryan it's going to be the name of my autobiography and you're not getting credit sir well, um, I, would, I would appreciate like 30 bucks just under the table alright <laughs> I'll buy I'll buy like five issues that you could tell me we'll <laughs> just buy me like a steak you know <laughs> they're done uh, where can they find you on Twitter <laughs> yeah, that's what the that will help us all you know? like, uh, like a team player. <laughs> but the Twitter account is uh, Iktomi3, uh, as well as the Instagram account is Iktomi3 as well. Uh, and the uh, Facebook account is uh, Iktomi Graphic Novel. So it's facebook.com slash Iktomi Graphic Novel. Perfect. Well, I want to thank you, gentlemen, Leonardo, Ryan, Pierre. It's been a pleasure. I know, I know, this book is going to be is going to is going to do really great things out there. Once it's it's in people's hands, it's going to spread like wildfire. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank it's great talking to you, man. Absolutely. Definitely. And now back to our regularly scheduled program. All right. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for listening to the interview uh, with Travis and the creative team of Iktomi. Uh, it seems like a kind of an interesting take on some stuff. So to wrap us up, Travis, uh, because I like the idea of messing with genres and goofing around because that's what I that's what I do at work. This was a. It was just a little while ago. Uh, probably I don't know uh, a couple weeks ago or whatever. Someone had someone had posted something uh, about a genre mashup, right? Like here's this happens in this historical place, and here's why. So out of sheer ridiculousness, I created three. There's a website called Wheel Decide, like literally like wheel W H E E L, and you can create a spinning wheel. And this spinning wheel lets you put a bunch of different things on there and you spin the wheel and it gives you that choice. And so what I did, it's, it, I tweeted it out. Uh, it'll be tweeted out again. We're going to put the link. Uh, we're going to put the two wheel, the three wheels on the website so you can play along. Uh, and then periodically we'll add more insane stuff to the, to the wheel. So essentially what it is is you get to pick a character. You spin for a character. And then you spin for an action. What is that character doing? And then you spin the third wheel and it tells you what is their motivation. What is their motivation? So you want to play it. You want to play like a quick it. game? Yeah, let's, let's, let's play it. I mentioned it's fun. Let's play a quick game. So here we go. I'm going to spin the wheel. Wheel is spinning. Spin that wheel, boy. William Tecumseh Sherman. All right, so okay. uh, Civil War, yeah. Civil War general named uh, after the, the the Sherman tank is named after. Uh, he is right. Baker. So Sherman, the March to the Sea. William Tecumseh Sherman. That's our character. Okay, so William Tecumseh Sherman. Uh, he is going to. And this is what I did. I picked. Why, why, why you're spinning? I'm going to say something like this. Sherman, not exactly the most well known historical figure. I hope we get something good for this motivate or uh, motivation. Uh, yeah, next, he's a, motivation I think he's next? a really good, a really good historical Fuck figure. Sherman. He, so he travels <laughs> through different dimensions. Sherman travels. Okay. All right, now we're getting somewhere. Okay, Sherman, Sherman traveling through different dimensions. So this is like a Civil War general who like brought total war to the South, burned like burned the countryside, destroyed homes. Said, you know what? I'm going to take this coast and I'm just going to give it to former slaves. I'm just going to divvy up this land myself and give it to the slaves. Oh. Screw you guys. And so here's why. Here's why he's traveling through different dimensions. Okay, 
So I'm spinning the wheel. I hope it's Rapoon. I hope it's Rapoon. I hope it's Rapoon. Poon, 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 Here it is. Because the life force of Mother Earth is at stake. Oh, that is the most anti-Sherman thing I can think of. So, I, I feel like the farthest thing from maybe he ate some of those space shrooms we were talking about earlier in the podcast, and it got him all tuned in tune with nature. So, so how does so what's our what's our story surrounding this, right? So Sherman, uh, for some so for some reason, he's traveling through different dimensions. He's like Doctor Who, but. Like, well, I guess not. Doctor Who's like through time and space. So different dimensions, different versions of Earth, different stuff. And like it's sliders like sliders. But General Sherman, in order to save the life force of the planet. So there's got to be some sort of like talisman that's sacred or something like that, that he's after to save the life force of Earth. It's got to be like, how do we tie in? Mana. How do we tur- tie tur- tie in Mother Gaia? To, to well, okay. Him. So maybe we maybe maybe this. So Sherman, after the Civil War uh, and after all the bloodshed and death he's seen, has yep. taken a three sixty and he's become a pacifist and he's become a naturalist and he's gone and he's and he's he's gone and he's lived with uh, Native American tribes uh, out in the West and in this <laughs> in this tribe he takes a uh, not a physical journey but a psychological journey into different dimensions because he does some crazy peyote out there and it just rockets him to different dimensions. And when he gets to different dimensions, he's like the main guy from Quantum Leap where like he only gets a certain amount of time to spend in each area and then he's like, oh boy. And he has, and he has, to, he has to come to terms with his, his uh, inclination for war and strategy and his new outlook on life where nothing can be destroyed. So to save his planet... He has to um, navigate others, but no destruction can take place. Ooh, I like that no destruction. Like he's like, crap! I stepped on a bug. Oh, yes. And maybe, we, maybe like that's a point. He destroys a dimension because he does something right. he shouldn't do. All Some the real power of stuff. the Sherman tank, but he cannot cannot use it. Cannot use it. All right, so here's let's do one more. You ready for one more? Yeah. Here we go. All right, so here's our character. One more. All right, I'm one sp- more. One spin more, in the wheel. Spin in the wheel. One more. Poon, poon, poon. Some of them are weird. Some, they're, they're, so some are weird. Uh, here we go. Muhammad Ali. All right, so uh, Muhammad Ali. All right, so there's our character, Muhammad Ali. Uh, let's see. What's he, he doing? He like a butterfly. Things like a bee. I'm he, he does. He does. Uh, <laughs> works at a Starbucks in the year 2009. Okay, we're getting somewhere. <laughs> he works. So Muhammad Ali works at a Starbucks in 2009. Uh and I don't know why I picked. I think this is like gonna. Over. That's a little bit. Uh, that's a little bit tough because, because because if he doesn't because if he doesn't Trump will become president of the United States of America. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Here's here are some things issues I have about the storyline, which I think might not get us past censors. Uh, one, two thousand nine. Um, uh, does Muhammad Ali have uh, MS or Parkinson's? No, no. Here's what here's what happens. It's Muhammad Ali from the nineteen sixties. Okay. Time okay. traveled to the future. Okay. Time traveled to okay. 2009. So you got to think the reason I think the reason why I picked 2009 is because it's when Barack Obama it's the first black president, right? Right. And so Muhammad Ali uh, who spoke out against the Vietnam War, who changed his name so he could get his African name, right? Like like to get rid of Cassius Clay uh, is jettisoned to the year 2009 where he works at a Starbucks. I don't know. <laughs> it was just something random. No, no, because that's his reward. Like something from interdimensional time travelers come down and say, you've done so much uh, that we are taking you to the, the time you want to see where there'll be a, uh, the first black president. He's like, take me. And they take him there. And he sees that it doesn't matter who's leading. If the economy is bad, you're working at Starbucks. <laughs> so he works at Starbucks. And I don't know why. I don't know how this will prevent Trump from being president. But there's, there's, there's some MacGuffin. There's some, MacGuff, some MacGuffin that working at Starbucks in 2009, he will, he will have the opportunity. Maybe Trump, it's the Starbucks that Trump visits. Yeah, maybe it's the Trump Towers. Maybe it's in Trump Towers. It's the Starbucks at the Trump Towers. And he has to find a way to like get Trump not to run for president. In, in 2016. I dig it. I've heard <laughs> the Sherman story before that one, but I think we yeah. got a good Well, there's up. some, there's some seriously, there's some random stuff. It's really random. It is the most random stuff I can think of. Uh, so I'm going to continue to add to the wheel. So right now there's, you know, there's like maybe uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like eight possible motivations on there. Uh, characters. I think I put more characters on there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten different characters. We've got uh, Sir Francis Drake. 
Joan of Arc, Joey Ramone, Mother Teresa, uh, Daniel Boone, all kind of added in these characters. I'm going to add more people to it as we go. And there's a bunch of stupid things that they're doing. And so I want you to play along, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're going to post it. I'll tweet it out. I just tweeted it out today. So I'll retweet it again. I want you to play Click and Spin, a random comic generator. And I want you to play and I want you to tell us what you got and pitch us your story. I want you to pitch us your story. Okay. Ooh, I like it. So I want you to do it. Uh, so we do have uh, comic exposure at gmail.com. So if you want to send us an audio recording of your pitch, all right, comicexposure at gmail.com, send us your audio recording, your pitch for your click and spin random comic generator story. We want to hear it, and we'll play it on the air. Yeah, end. give us the bare bones, and then exaggerate on it. Make it a fully yeah. realized story. Yeah, give us the fully realized things. We want to share it. We want to hear what you have to, we want to, hear what you have to say. So, Travis, we have one announcement before we're done with the episode today. Oh. One announcement. Are you, are you ready for this? Uh, did something bad happen? No, no, no. Something good happened. So, good well, happened. Like, it, it depends on how you looked at yeah, it. That's true. It's good for us. <laughs> it's probably bad for Phoenix Comic Con. So, <laughs> we are we have a panel uh, at Phoenix Comic Con this year. Uh, we are doing a live comic book club uh, at Phoenix Comic Con uh, on Saga. So we're going to do spotlight on Saga. spotlight on Saga. I think we're good. Just going to focus on Volume One, but my guess is we'll run farther than that. We'll probably dive a little deeper. Uh, we've got two guests coming to the podcast, coming to the show with us. Uh, my man Freddie Pignon, <laughs> Freddie Pignon, who's been on the show before. Uh, good dude, Freddie. Uh, great hair. Freddie has great hair. He's going to be on the show. Uh, he's going to be on the panel with us. And then we have uh, 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 Andrea Consolvi is going to be the other person on the panel. She's read Saga. Uh, she's going to come on and do it with also us. Also, a former guest. Also a former guest, she came on our Goners episode. So uh, we have two guests on the on the panel with us that we're going to talk about Saga Volume 1. Uh, we're going to open it up to the audience to have them tell us what do they think about the characters, what do they think about the plot, what does it all mean. Uh, can this Brian K. Vaughn epic go on forever like he says it can? We're going to have prizes. We're going to have disguises. And like Garfield, we're going to have pies of all sizes. And lasagna. 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 Uh, really? Probably not lasagna. Garfield and Friends? No, yeah, Gar- I love Garfield Friends. Good stuff. Prizes, disguises, and pies of all sizes. I like Nermal. Oh, Nermal's. the little purple one. She was a yeah. sexy little minx. No, Nermal was the one he kept sending to other places. Oh, he would like yeah. he would like put her in a box and <laughs> send her to right. Abu Dhabi. <laughs> Can we get some Garfield and Friends up on Netflix, please? I think it's on. I think Garfield and Friends is on Netflix. Is it? It might be that or Hulu. I don't know. Check. It we might gotta, be on Hulu. All right. So we got to end this podcast. Uh, yes. so, something just came and, up. Ladies and gentlemen, here's what I want you to do. So please go ahead. Click and spin Random Comic Generator. If you have a pitch for us, email us your audio clip to uh, at comic or comicexposure at gmail.com. Uh, tweet us up at Comic Exposure. You can find us on the Twitter. Uh, let us know what you, what you came up with. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Our next book on the podcast is Tokyo Ghost. Tokyo Ghost is the next book on the podcast. Travis, your uh, best friend from back in the day came on. Tokyo Dos. You and your buddy. Yeah. What's, uh, you and your buddy are on the show. Scott Taylor is going to be on the show. Uh, he is, Both of you grew up in Japan. We both grew up in Japan. Uh, I spent 11 years in Japan. He probably spent like nine years in Japan. So we're pretty much Japanese. <laughs> so you, we're, we're on the show. We're talking about Tokyo Ghost uh, by Rick Remender and Sean Murphy and Hollinsworth on Colors, your dream team. Nothing could make you happier than mm. this comic book. So that's the next uh, comic book club uh, book. So pick it up if you haven't listened to it. I think it's pretty cheap on uh, Amazon. You can pick up Tokyo Ghost, read it. And ladies and gentlemen, we'll talk to you next trade. Trade.